Hey, Rewatchers, we have a deal for you for the holiday season. You remember our amazing magnet set? Well, now you can get it cheaper than ever as it's going on sale for only $15 for each and every one of our collectible magnets. Eamon, can you tell us about this magnet set? Yes, uh, I designed these magnets. Uh, we have uh, magnets featuring Mac, a special flashback Scottish Mac, Mythos, Joe Dawson, and Amanda. And this handsome set of five could be a good Christmas gift for yourself or a loved one. Or Hanukkah. Or Kwanzaa, if you're one of the six people who celebrates Kwanzaa. Yeah. Or if you just want a present. Yeah. Yeah, you want to just treat yourself. Yeah. That's very important. For only $15, this collectible magnet set can be yours today. And that's you like can display the, it proudly on your fridge. That's like the cost of a lunch. Like a big yeah. lunch, but just, it's lunch. Mm -hmm. Don't go, Stop going to Wawa. Just buy these magnets instead. You okay. can't eat them, but you can put things on your refrigerator. Kyle, what's a Wawa? <laughs> a Wawa is a <laughs> Pennsylvania area institution that is basically a convenience store that also sells hoagies which for people who aren't what, from around, Kyle what's a hoagie <laughs> hoagies are what weirdo Philadelphians call subs or, or a grinder no grinders are hot heroes oh. depends on where you're from <laughs> yeah speaking of hot heroes Duncan McLeod now we're back on track. track so get that sexy Scotsman on your fridge today for only $15 on Etsy or our Facebook page bye today Hey, Rewatchers, Keith here. Thanks for joining us for part two of our grand recap of the Highlander Worldwide Convention. If you haven't heard part one, just head on back in our feed and check out part one from last week. And also, we have three mini recaps that we recorded live at the convention. And those are in our main feed as well, and you can check those out. So in this episode, we're going to recap the events of days two and three and some of our L.A. adventures on day four. Thanks again for listening. And again, thanks, everybody, who made this trip possible. Enjoy the show. Saturday. 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 So it was kind of like an opening ceremonies, and then it was the gathering panel. Right. So the opening ceremonies is the clip you heard opening last week's episode, and David Abramowitz brought a shofar to mm -hmm. the... This was awesome. It was awesome. So yeah. uh, this thing is used in religious ceremonies or in ancient times, kind of like a battle cry. Mm. Uh, and so he opened up the whole convention by playing the shofar. It was cool. It, it was, was very cool. Very cool. And then, it added a lot of like gravitas to the uh, the event. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a real opening ceremony. Mm -hmm. Highlander gravitas. That's right. Stop motion animated fan <laughs> film. <laughs> then they did a whole panel about the first episode, the gathering. Right. Well, there were people from all over the place at this convention. I have a mm -hmm. note on that. Like the person from the furthest away was from Russia. A couple of people from Japan, Australia. Oh yeah. UK. Yeah. So people from all over. It was the amazing. Place. <laughs> and they started talking about the gathering, which we didn't mention. We watched the gathering on the plane on Keith's iPad to get in the spirit reacquainted and it was um Adrian Paul, Stan Kirsch, David Abramovitz, uh, Don Payanessa, Don Payanessa, yeah. It was interesting. Adrian Paul talked about how he was the first to audition for the role and got it 
we probably talked about that before, yeah i think we did but. talk about that yeah go listen to our other mini recap if you want to hear how he got the role kind of last minute as it were but he was kind of like cocky during the yeah. audition process he's like i'm the highlander like yeah. hire me uh but he did think it went well and uh but then was all bummed out that he didn't get a call right away yeah then kirsch told a funny story about how everybody has seen his audition tape or his right. screen test because we've shared this we've online. seen it yeah. as well yeah. <laughs> yeah it's online it's very cool and kind of funny <laughs> Also, side note, Adrian Paul has a pretty good Lambert impression that he did a few times. Yes. So they were talking about, like, acting besides Lambert. And he was like, oh, like, I was kind of inspired. Like, when he got into character, like, somehow his voice dropped a little more than it already is. And, yeah, uh, yeah he did a Lambert impression that sounds kind of similar to Eamon's. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, Eamon's is, up there? Eamon does a Lambert better. impression? No, well, off off mic. I do. I don't want to offend anybody, so I do it kind of when we're not recording. Yeah, no, Eamon's never done it on the show. Everyone? Never, no. ever, Mm-mm. never, ever. Nope. And we so, never offend people on right. the show. <laughs> not at all. Don <laughs> talked about how he got involved in the show. Um, mm-hmm. He was working on the show Zorro, which was a show I grew up watching and loving. Uh, but that was also a co-finance show, hmm. uh, and it was being filmed in Spain. And so when they came time to get an editor, they were asking around producers and whatnot, like, hey, does anyone have any experience doing, like, these co-finance sort of productions? And Don's name came up, and that's how he got attached to Highlander. Like, in later seasons, it's just Canada, France. But in the right. original run, the first season, it's, it's like actually Japan U.S., and, Japan, yeah. Germany, and think, France. Yeah. And then after the first season, they didn't have to put rock stars every episode because Japan wasn't right. They were out. A sponsor. And I guess, and then Ger- and Germany was out as well. So it was just France and Canada. That gave us Hugh Fitzcarran and Xavier St. Cloud. Yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. not all yeah, bad. Not all bad at all. Don told an interesting story about uh, film canisters that got lost. Yes. And they ended up in a restaurant somehow. Yeah, they they shipped the dailies or whatever back to Vancouver or they were going to and they got like lost in an airport restaurant in Toronto somehow. And they were like freaking out because it's like, do we need to film this stuff again? What are we going to do? This is like a huge disaster. Uh, Adrian had a pretty funny story about like the show's popularity in Russia. And I thought I might play a little clip of this. I thought this was kind of just funny. I thought this premise could scope a lot of things, and I think that's why it succeeded so well across the world. I mean, it's 19 <coughs> countries across the world. And the reason why is because it actually had something for everybody. It had history for those of you that like the history part of it, the romance for you ladies who like the romance, the action for you guys. Yeah, I like romance. <laughs> now, I mean, no, but seriously, there's something for and it was translatable, which is very hard to do with the series when you can take it to different cultures. You know, humor is one of the hardest things to do because everybody's got every culture has a different type of humor. So this was actually something that could you could visually see and understand it. I mean, whenever the Russians and the, and the Americans have been really close together over Highlander, I'm not joking. Every single uh, uh, TV station in Russia ran. I went to Russia uh, in 2008, 2006. But I went from New York to Russia. I had a terrible time getting there because there was power overs in New York. I didn't have any bags. I hadn't had any sleep. I get there. I don't know where, what hotel I'm staying at. I don't know who's picking me up. And the immigration guy goes, so, I have no idea. He says, what's picking you? I said, but somebody outside, but they escorted me outside. And as I went outside, suddenly, this bank, I'm not joking, a bank of photographers immediately, shh, <laughs> 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 
I was there. I was on the dock. So I have no idea that that had happened and how it had an effect on so many different cultures because of so many things that were involved in, in the series itself. I thought it was fun story how the show kind of crosses borders and weirdly the show was not as popular in america as it was like all over the world which like is literally everywhere kind else. of the running kind of gag with highlander it's always more popular other places yeah yeah i guess it's the reason we have a highlander too right what was the banana story so they were talking about how dennis berry in one episode it was the episode eye for an eye getting the whole camera set up this and duncan was going to be training richie near this lighthouse or whatever in the background there was some dude just there eating a banana, and Dennis was, like, flipping out. He's like, you get off the set. Get off the set. This is my set, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he, like, flipped shit. Which apparently he did often because it's how he got them. His words, it's how I get them to work. Right, because he would yell at people during lunch because all the, the Frenchmen would be drinking wine and stuff during lunch. So he would just, like, lose his marbles and scream at everybody to get them, like, back on task. Uh, so anyway, then they were filming an episode. It was uh, Amanda, or excuse me, Elizabeth Grayson and Adrian. And they were doing this close-up shot. And right at the end, they both, like, brought up a banana from out of frame and took a big bite. And so then it just became this running gag on set. They would be eating bananas. With Dennis Berry. And then they even made like a gag, like banana cookbook that was distributed and stuff. And I think the fans had uh, something to do with that getting put together. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Nanners. Stan had a very funny story about fighting with Bob Anderson, the sword coordinator choreographer for the first and second seasons. And Stan told this hysterical story about training with Bob Anderson. Bob Anderson was like, come at me, bro, basically. <laughs> come at me, bro. And Stan's like, I'm going to hurt you because you're old. And he's like, you will never hurt me. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. Um, also, I guess it was uh, AP's idea to kill off Richie, kind of. Not Richie in character, but he was like, at the end of the fifth season, he was like, we, we should kill a character. We need to kill a character. And that's like... He was the one that made sense it sounds like. Yeah, uh, and ended up being Richie. But he's like, yeah, this is like what life really is. He's like, we got to do something big. I don't know if I agree that they had to kill someone, but I get the instinct to shake it up. No Does one I remember like... how much like loud techno music was playing during some of this convention? Oh, right. There was like a conference going on next door. I don't know what they what were doing. What was that about? I don't know, but they were playing like the loudest, thumpiest, like Eurobeat stuff. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was, was kind of ridiculous. Bizarre. I have no idea what that was about. And it all looked like older folks, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know what it was. Dum, 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 <laughs> dum, dum. So next we had the Amanda, Amanda Mandate. Mandate. And this isn't a date between two men's and Amanda. <sighs> two men's? Two, two men's. Two men's and Amanda in a pizza parlor. So this is really more of like a Q&A session. They played like a montage of Amanda clips at the beginning. Mm. But it kind of just went into John Mosby kind of picking people to ask questions of Elizabeth Grayson. She talked a little bit about uh, how she didn't really get to act with many women on the series proper, which mm -hmm. I didn't really think about. And was like, oh, that's actually kind of true. Yeah. She interacted with Tessa a little bit on Lady and the Tiger, and she had nothing but nice things to say about Alexandra Vandernoot. It was really informal. Was uh, this the one where somebody creepily asked, are you immortal? Yep. Because you're so hot. Yeah. That, that was weird. <laughs> I was like, mm. why oh, would you... Like, you would never say that to somebody, would you? You, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I have manners. <laughs> yeah. Why are you so hot? It's like, stop it. Quit that it. Was, that was really weird, but yeah, she it took it very uh, gracefully. Very yeah. Elizabeth Grace-sinfully. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of talk on the, the Eiffel Tower scene 
in an episode we haven't covered yet. But that coming up soon. That was. I mean, I know that's like a big Highlander moment, but right. that was talked about a lot. Yeah, during all of these panels. Yeah, like that clip was shown at a few many panels, times. I think. Yeah. yeah, too many times, yeah. and every time it was a little too long. Yeah, there was a lot of clips that were played. Yeah, in the last panel, they played like the nudie shower shower scene mm-hmm. clip, and that went on. I was like, oh boy, like yeah, you were like, oh boy, yeah. Luckily, it was dark in the room. So dark. That was weird. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, but um, Elizabeth Grayson talked a lot about The Raven and how she kind of wished it got a second season because she thinks it would have really kind of polished up a lot and the show would have finally taken a good turn with probably the immortal or the mortal character. What's his name? Nick, is it? In that it? sounds right. I don't know. I think like the plan was to make him have his first death and Amanda would train him, so kind of flip the thing on its head. Yeah, that would have been fun. And I mean, all shows the first season tends to be finding its sea legs. So, you know. Gone before it's time. And then we were on to Forever Young with Stan. Forever Young. I want to be. Forever Night. We did this exact same bit on our (laughs) mini recap. Did we really? Yes, we did. Fuck. This is good the second time. It's even better. That's right. Keep that energy up, folks. Woo! Yeah, this was the Stan Kirsch show. It was basically just him telling us all about his experience. So it was pretty interesting just hearing him talk about kind of the progression of his career. One of the things he was saying was that, you know, this a lot of this, he was going through kind of his youthful phase. It was like everything was 90210 right. style. Like that was what was pulling it. And that kind of during this phase of his career, like those were the kinds of roles he was pulling. And that was pretty interesting. People asked him about his appearance on Friends. I didn't know this, but he was very gratified to learn that it was considered the best episode of that season. Whoa, yeah. really? Yeah. And yeah, was that like Entertainment Weekly like did a ranking of all the, the Friends episodes, and that's number one in season one. Wow. It's a good episode. We watched it. Stan does a good job. It was good. He definitely does a good job. No, Stan's uh, got like good comedic chops. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Uh, and he talks about working with Jonathan Banks uh, right. in Undercall of Authority. Apparently he's a super cool guy, really good actor. It was pretty interesting also just to talk about the transition they made with this character. He kind of just discussed that at some point they're just like, and yada yada, he's 22. Like, we're just going to pretend that he was always 22, which I thought was really funny. It was just like, okay, yeah, it's a little weird that Max hanging out with like a 16 year old. So let's (laughs) redefine this relationship a little bit. And all of a sudden they'll be at a bar together. Right. We had never really stopped and talked about that too much. We talked about it a little, a little bit, bit because we're, we're like, oh, wait, how old was Richie when he... Well, he was 17 on the first episode. Right. Yes, because he's yeah. not. he can't be charged as an adult yet. And at some point, I think they just were like, let's just speed this up. Right. Yeah, he talked about wanting Richie to be like a more liberal sort of dude. Yeah, and like a more intellectual character as opposed to always kind of being dopey and like taking weird positions on Yeah, things. and also kind of like... Richie ends up being, like, the screw-up all the time, which is just, like, a bummer. Like, Yeah. So that was interesting. I mean, it seems like Stan Kirsch was always kind of hungry for more of a challenge. And we, as a viewers, were kind of wishing the same thing. I mean, we're always talking about, like, oh, I wish Richie had been able to sing here. I wish they had let Richie... Yeah, why don't they let him be, like, a song and dance man? That is yeah, kind of Yeah, I'm always, like, he could be singing in yeah, the rain. Yeah, why can't he sing here? <laughs> like, what a glorious feeling. He's yeah. happy again. Maybe in the reboot, there'll be more singing. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let all the characters sing. It's yeah. a musical. Good point, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> this is why you keep me around. So this was pretty cool. And then afterwards, we ate poke. Oh, oh. yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, we ate like a lot of it. And there was a crazy amount of traffic in the dealer's oh. room. Oh, that was nuts. That's when we were doing our interview with Peter Wingfield, uh, Peter Wingfield that we released. Which and was posted. It's very loud in that room. And so apologies, but it was bonkers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, hopefully but it was we'll have... the only time we could get with Peter Wingfield. Yeah. So you got to strike while the iron is hot, 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 hot. Uh, so then there was the Who Watches the Watchmen 
panel with Jim Burns and David Abramowitz. They talked a lot about like the source, um, which was interesting. Um, I think we covered a lot of this on our mini recap about mm-hmm. how they were like kind of just dumping all over the sources, yeah. being like a shit show. And David was brought in to fix some things, but that mm. didn't really work. And mm. what a mess. Uh, so the next panel was I Drink and I Know Things with Peter Wingfield. So Kyle, why don't you tell us about that? So this was actually pretty cool. Uh, this was a one-man show. It was just Peter Wingfield chatting the entire time. And he is a delight, I have to say. He was like very charming and engaging with the audience. And he had some pretty interesting things to say, I thought, about his career as both an actor and in medicine. And he told a good overlapping lawyer-doctor joke that I appreciated. What do you call an anesthesiologist in a suit? I don't know what. A defendant. <laughs> that was good. So anyway, really good. Uh, he actually did talk a surprising amount about his experiences as a, do- as a doctor. One of the things that was kind of interesting was uh, he was talking about how initially he was getting all these questions about why did you leave med school to become an actor? And people were all aghast when he made that decision. His parents freaked the fuck out. Like, why would you do this? And then he actually ends up being on some doctor shows. So every time he would be interviewed for them, they'd be asking him about med school. And they're like, oh, don't you want to go back? And he said his answer all the time would be like, no, I get to like go dance on set and like (laughs) have fun. And like half the times for when shooting for this show, like I show up at lunch and leave in four hours. Like, do you know how fucking hard being a doctor is? Like. Of course I don't want to do that. But then fast forward a few years, priorities change, and now he decides to go back and actually wrap up med school. He said everyone freaked out again. Like (laughs) All these people who freaked out when he left freaked out when he decided to go back to medical school. So that was kind of a fun transition that he talked about. He also had some fun stories about kind of the practice of being a doctor and about how it's really about empathy and like building connections with people. And that's what acting is. Like a lot of it is about understanding emotion and bringing it back to liability, which he talked a surprising amount about, you know, people don't sue doctors because they, I think he put it as like, cause they cut off your arm instead of your leg. Like they sue you because you've disrespected them in some way or for not taking them seriously. It's like, so really, even from that perspective, it's like really just about being nice and building a connection with your patients is what gives you the legal protection, not necessarily being a great doctor. Hmm. Well, somebody asked him the question, has anyone recognized you? Oh, this was really funny. And so in med school, you have to do, you know, training in all the different fields. So he was doing his OBGYN training. (laughs) and he had to do an examination and this person he was like definitely recognized me and they were definitely enjoying this like way too much yeah he said it's like like, oh "Oh, this is weird oh my god Uh he he also talked about how he uh was very nervous about doing his psychology rotation that he had to do as part of when you're in med school like doing these different fields because he was saying that you know people sometimes do recognize them and they're like oh do you know you look like this guy and his answer was always like yeah i get that a lot (laughs) he's like which is true uh, That's really but as funny. he pointed out, it's like some people when they're in these psychological treatment programs, like one of the things that's very common is that people don't believe that they're being treated by doctors. Like they believe that these people are imposters or actors or something like that. And he's like, so having been on TV, it'd be really hard being in that situation with someone being like, you're not a doctor, you're an actor. And he's like, no, I'm both. I'm an actor and a doctor. So that was pretty cool. And then Ken Gord also chimed in during this panel. And that was kind of funny where at some point they're talking about like him getting picked up on the show and Ken Gord being the one to tell him. Ken Gord's like, oh, you know, like the girls really like you. Have you ever gotten that before? You might uh, <laughs> you might be sticking around. 
the girls. So next up was the Right Stuff script to screen. And this was the writer's panel with David Abramowitz, Gillian Horvath, and Donna Leto. So uh, there was a really sweet story that Donna Leto shared. David Tynan, I guess, gave her this like little totem. And it mm-hmm. was like a Canadian Mountie. And that would always sit on her desk. Uh, and of course, now it still does. Like So after David passed, this is like her little David Tynan totem. Her Tynan totem. Tynan totem. Uh, and it sat up there during the entire right, panel. Right, it sat on the yeah. panel, yeah, which was really cool. And so Donna talked about how she got involved in the show. She said she got called up. She was living in Baltimore at the time. And she got called up because they needed advice from a church-going Christian on how to write something, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. Uh, and then when the t- time came for, I guess, Gillian got promoted, they needed somebody to come in. It was Donna. Yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> right. Moira Ravinsky was on stage, and he told an interesting story. Oh, that's right. Yes, he was with them. Writing... <laughs> Like Highlander plots in a castle. Yeah, oh, that was that's amazing. a great story. So David, I guess, called him and was like, "Hey, like, can you write an episode for us?" He's like, "Hey, I'm about to go on vacation to like Europe or England," and he's like, "What? They don't have computers in England or whatever?" <laughs> and so he went on vacation and had to write a Highlander episode. And he was like in a castle, like with a moat and everything, and got to kind of write like in the proper setting for a Highlander episode, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome. And we got to talk to Maury separately with his yeah. wife, and uh, so we'll be releasing that interview soonish. They were really nice. Very nice people. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the, the writers really talked about like how they felt like they owned the show, which they were talked a lot about like, you know, in current TV, you know, you're on a show for a season, a couple episodes, like it's, it's a little different on at least network television today. Like, you know, people come in and out often. You don't feel like you're part of the team, and that's a big thing. They feel a great deal of ownership over the Heinleiner mythology, which is true because they, I mean, they wrote it. I mean, like Donna helped write the Watcher Chronicles and all that stuff. Like that's the stuff that's the backbone of the series. So, and yeah. we read those every week. We do. <laughs> It's pretty and nuts. They also just had a lot to say about the way the industry has changed and the way things have kind of progressed about how, like, some in some ways the things that are great for viewers, like shorter, tighter seasons, mm-hmm. are bad for writers because the writers still get paid by episode. And, you know, sometimes they're stuck in contracts that require them not to take other work while they're waiting between seasons. And it's hard now that seasons are shorter, even though the final product is probably way better. It was a little bleak. <laughs> yeah, it was like... a little bleak talking about the state of being a writer in Hollywood these days days but yeah kind of like <laughs> this is not Bleh. great we heard about Gillian's new show on crackle that's right crackle snap crackle and pop 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 do they have full-size crackle bars i've only ever seen the mini ones Good i don't question. even know what a crackle bar is it's like a i guess it's like a ripoff crunch bar yeah no. that i guess her, so I, her I don't care puts out. yeah <laughs> so like who gives a shit gives do a people shit? like those are crunch crackle. bars popular i love a crunch bar really? i don't mind them it's not my favorite They're one of my favorites i can go for a butterfinger butterfingers like... are way better than crunch bars oh, i hate butterfingers what You're... fuck i don't like them you, you must hate bart simpson that eat must... my shorts man yeah <laughs> I'm going to have a cow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next was autographs. And so the kind of hallways, it was pandemonium. Oh, yeah. Keith waited for autographs. Yeah, I got some autographs. And I think Kyle and I interviewed somebody. Yeah, you guys were busy interviewing some people. Mm-hmm. Those will be coming out shortly. That's right. Uh, but then after that, well, they actually had to postpone the director's panel to the next day because yes. the autographs were taking quite mm-hmm. a while. But then it was auction time. At the Apollo. That's right. So this was a lot of fun. Yeah, they're kind of a hoot, like this whole gang. They riff off each other pretty well. They did a good job keeping the energy up, getting the bidding escalating. Yeah, so this was an auction to benefit the Peace Fund. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was primarily emceed by Peter and Adrian, who are a great duo. 
Yeah, they were really funny. Stan Kirsch was up there for a little while. Elizabeth Gratian. Stan Kirsch is really funny. Like, yeah. I yeah. think he's like one of the funniest people yeah. up there. Like, he was like really deadpan. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> he's got good timing. Yeah, yeah. it worked. But yeah, they were auctioning off things like Duncan McLeod's ponytail, which somebody bought for $1,000. Yowza. Which is a lot of money. $1,000? $1,000. Um, other things they had were like Scottish Claymores. Uh, they had the leather coat from Endgame, which was pretty cool. I think that went for like 800 bucks, maybe. Somebody's pants. Yeah, pants. a pair of pants. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Kurgan helmet, the Kengord's crew jacket, which was kind of cool. Um, they had a number of like katanas. They had the uh, loft and dojo blueprints, which were awesome. Those were awesome. Those were really cool. Yeah. Um, storyboards. Did you mention those? They had storyboards. Yeah. What are the uh, things that the, they kind of the have? highlight item? The big item, cream of the crop, was a photograph with all the member, the main members of the cast in one photo, mm-hmm. and you could buy individual photographs during like the autograph period and things like that. But this is the only way you could get all of them in one. It was heated. I think it started at hundred bucks and didn't end until fifteen hundred. Yep. It was expensive, but yeah. then they ended up dropping the price to like twelve hundred or something. But like, and then six people were able to do it, so they raised yeah. a bunch of money. That was very clever. I think it was Adrian Paul's idea to be like, "Aha! I will lower the price, but at least three people need to be willing to pay." Right. And yeah, he, he ends up getting six. Really quick on his feet. And yeah, that, that is was savvy. Like a once in a lifetime, probably. Yeah. Well, it's certainly never yeah. going to happen again. No. Yeah. Seemingly, there was a weird mask. That somebody made. Oh, Elizabeth oh, Grayson Elizabeth was selling Grayson that. Donated and that from her store on Flapper Press. Right, and it was Peter like a bird Winfield mask. put it on. It was like a stalking Birdman, the audience. Birdman, it, it freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was he, kind of freaky. He yeah. was getting in people's faces <laughs> and going <laughs> like, "Caw!" <laughs> it was, was pretty funny. Doing like bird head motions. Bird head motions. I thought that was awesome and weird. Yep, <laughs> it was. It was both. And then there was the cabaret that night. Cabaret was surreal and awesome. Mm-hmm. It was a true highlight of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. This was, is something like that isn't present at like most conventions, like this sort no. of thing. It was kind of like a talent show almost. Yeah. But we were in a big room. There was a bar. Everybody was kind of ushered in there. It started out with a costume contest. So people dressed up inspired by some of their favorite Highlander episodes. Mm-hmm. Peter, Elizabeth, and Adrian chose a winner. Mm-hmm. And I think they all got their picture together. So that was fun. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. Everyone tried, you know, put a lot of effort into their costumes, clearly, mm-hmm. which was fun. Uh, and then, yeah, the show started off. Who, what did it start with? It started off with Adrian Paul, Elizabeth Grayson, yes. and with the addition of music from Jim Burns doing the Love Letters mm-hmm. thing that was originally actually performed at the LashCon and was probably the highlight of that. They performed it again, slightly updated and edited. Right. But it was pretty interesting. This takes place, I guess, what was it, like 20 years maybe after the end of season six-ish? I got yeah, it's like, and after The Raven as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Amanda is living, I guess, in Italy or something. They've been apart for a while. And right. So this is a series of letters written back and forth. They're kind of missing each other, but clearly also mad at each other for different reasons. But I don't think we ever really find out what those reasons are, right? It's all like kind of sketchy, which is, yeah. I kind of like. It's like, oh, there's clearly something that happened. Yeah. And they're pissed about it. But then through the course of this, there's this like plot uncovered that, like, I guess, was it one of Amanda's friends or pupils or something like that? Like, mm-hmm. disappears. There's something weird going on with the Watchers. The Watchers might be behind it. There are also these new immortals that are cropping up. They're like not playing by the rules, Ooh, right? Yeah, they don't care about they being seen, their in, own rules. seen yeah. in public and like right. they kind of flaunt 
like the social media of the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Rogue Watchers and Rogue Immortals almost are kind of joining together. Yeah. In an unholy alliance, That's wouldn't right. you say? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Are uh, they hunters? Oh. Uh, mm. uh, so then there's a new immortal villain called Balthazar that at mm. some point Mac needs to gird up and take him down. Yeah. And it's like a like a play, like a high-tension play with interstitial like interruptions by Jim Burns. Right. I mean, it kind of like the tension mounts. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, and it also kind of has like a bleak end. Mac and Amanda are separate throughout the whole thing, but they're finally able to meet up in Paris. Mm-hmm. And I they guess they do a little dance. It's very cute. Yeah, they do a dance, which is very nice. Uh, but then I guess they look out like the hotel room or whatever, and I guess there's bad watchers or whatever there. And it's like, uh oh, like we gotta go. Yeah, yeah. people yeah. were like in tears. At the uh, end of this. yeah, <laughs> I was very surprised about that. Hey, listen, I liked it a lot. I thought it was. Oh, great. I did too. I just it didn't affect me as much as other people present, but you know, to each their own. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. because no, you're black hearted. That's true. Cold. After that, we then got the talent show proper starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony DeLongis, I believe, kicked us off mm-hmm. with a poem. The Highwayman. Which Dark was poem. the darkest shit ever. This yeah. was bleak and mm-hmm. grim. He's great at reading poetry. He's very oh, good. Yeah. He, it was quite... like, well, he does a lot of voiceover work, doesn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It was dramatic. Having was him great. do books on tape and stuff would be mm-hmm. solid. And I very much enjoyed the poem, but it was like, it was dark. dark. It's about this like robber who like redcoats or soldiers are looking for him. So they like capture and I guess like rape his girlfriend and then he comes back and they murder him. Bah. Yeah, it's like ugh. it's intense. Yeah. It was a lot. I think that was followed up by Peter Wingfield and his son. That was some charming songs. Yeah, they good. played some David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Peter has a great voice and it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. very sweet. I was cute to see him do it together. It was yeah. nice. Charming. Charmander. James Haran also he got up. Like and, a lounge Like a lounge act, yeah. yeah. Swinging, man. Get some martinis out. It's for the ladies. Yeah, this going was, to Memphis. This was for the ladies. It yeah. was for the There were some gyrations. Mm-hmm. Hubba hubba. He was into it. He was, he into, was it. into it. Yeah. yeah. It was I fun. was into it. I yeah, was into buddy. it. <laughs> I was into it. David Abramovitz sang two songs. He first he did Summertime. With Summertime. Jim Burns. With, with Jim. Yeah. And it was great. He's got it a was. fantastic voice. He does. And it's huge. It's a massive voice. And then he did Havana Gila. Which yeah, was which was blast. surprising. And then I think Gillian Horvath like, led people in a dance. Yeah. So that was interesting. It was fun. <laughs> it was. Totally fun. Anthony did another poem that was a little quirkier and light, more lighthearted. Although yeah. still kind of dark. About yeah. a guy who has to be cremated in the middle of like a forest. <laughs> like yeah. a snow-covered forest. Right. Oh. Ken Gord. Oh, Ken yes. Gord. Went oh, up how could I forget this? So Ken Gord Tacky. had like a skit called Tacky. And it's like this Glenn Beck conspiracy style thing about the M names and K names. K names in Highlander that Abramowitz has a whole plan to undermine yeah. the letters K and M and right. that K and M are all villains. This was really good. He's like a really good writer. Yeah. He's like a really good writer. <laughs> And it was just fun. I it mean, was like fun. he was fun. We got a shout out. Yeah, yeah we all got shouts Chun, out. Chung and cheek. I must said Chung and cheek. That's yeah. really cool. It was a blast. Yeah, and he like went through every episode. He's like, like literally every like, name. This is in like every lists upon lists mm-hmm. of K names. He also went through the list of attendees. Yeah, and <laughs> everybody with a K. Yeah, or that was mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, that was um, great. To cap it all off, we had James Burns. He was amazing yeah knock your socks off yeah he just did a lot of songs he had all his stories were amazing mm-hmm. he had stories about ray charles that other was cool. famous music people i'm like a neophyte so i don't remember a lot of the names he told a whole story about uh 
riding with a guy who was supposed to be on a plane with the big bopper yeah. and Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Like, he brought the house down. It was, like, pretty incredible. Right. And he's, at this point, it's, like, almost, it's, like, past midnight. Yeah, it's, like, pushing one o'clock, yeah. and he's, like, rocking. It was really very impressive. Right. It was cool. He's the man. Indescribable. He's got that voice, though. Like, he's, it's intense. He's just, like, I mean, in addition to being an amazing musician, his, like, stage presence he just had the room eating out of the yeah. palm of his hand he's like a cool cat like, and there was a lady in the row in front of us oh that's right who Holy was shit talking to him the whole time and like, like having standing her on her chair she stood up on her chair and was singing along with everything yeah. it was something else yep <laughs> she was really into it she was enjoying herself mm-hmm I'm sure he appreciated it, too. Sure. <laughs> uh, no, it was a blast. Uh, if you actually haven't purchased any Jim Burns records, go on iTunes and check them out. You won't be disappointed. They're all good stuff. And he has a radio show, too. So listen to that. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that's on Saturdays. Go on Jim Burns' website. Uh, so then after this, then, of course, we're back to the bar. More mm-hmm. drinking. More hanging out. with. We hung out with Ken Gord and Clay Boris mm-hmm. that night, which was fun. More drinking. Got kicked out of the bar. Again, kicked out of the, the lobby. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Briefly went up to Jim Burns's room. We yeah. got kicked out of there. <laughs> well, like security we came. Well, we didn't. No, we did not get kicked out of Jim Burns' room. No, we but left. The, we left Jim Burns' room, and two minutes later, everyone got kicked out yes. by security. Yeah, we saw trouble coming, and we're yep. like, "We gotta go." It's <laughs> time for us to rest our little heads. That's yeah, right. they had nowhere for people to go after the bar closed in the yeah. hotel, which seemed like a real weakness. Like mm-hmm. people would have spent. Money. Money. Oh, yeah. Money. 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 We were very tired that night, yes. I think. So, oh, Sunday, we're still going strong. We still got Sunday. Sunday, holy shit. Sunday, So Sunday, we wake Sunday. up, I drink, I eat the worst breakfast Oh, ever. this is when you oh, had the... You, <laughs> so, why did you do that? We had brought, because again, this hotel, everything's expensive. Like, breakfast is like $18. No, fuck that. Like, so we brought like protein bars and mm-hmm. oatmeal, and we were going to make oatmeal in the coffee maker just to make warm up hot water. On, on Friday, I had unfortunately had to go up to the room to do some work for work reasons. And, <laughs> work for work reasons. And I had used the coffee maker. Did not uh, know about this. So there were grounds in the coffee maker. I fill it up with water thinking no one's made coffee here, surely. And then I had strawberry oatmeal with like coffee water in it. Uh, this was gross. It was like bitter and uh, it was ridiculous. It was, but I ate it. Why? Why didn't you just make another one? Because. Where, what am I going to do? Waste that 15 cents. What am I going to do? Waste those 15 cents worth of oatmeal yes. and, co- and used coffee grounds. Coffee. Coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. So I need Duncan McLeod to show me how to make coffee. So how do you make the coffee? Coffee, coffee, coffee. coffee, coffee. coffee, coffee Don't coffee. put fucking oatmeal in your coffee. <laughs> and take your pants off. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Vandernoot. <laughs> so the first panel this day was what if what if and this what was, next what Surviving next biometrics the three writers david romwitz gillian horvath and don Aletto, talked about what highlander would be like in the modern day and this was pretty interesting um they, it was cool hearing people spitball about it yeah they were just kind of riffing and david mentioned like the idea like oh everyone thinks like well like aren't cell phones going to be a problem mm-hmm. or whatever in the future but he's like oh like you know things kind of go tit for tat it's like well when cell phones get better Things that block cell phones get better. And it's like, well, you have databases now, but you also have viruses. So he's like, I think the Immortals are just going to be a more savvy bunch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and also it's up to the writers how they deploy how technology impacts the world. So you can kind of, you can kind of yada, yada, yada over some of this stuff. 
Yeah, and he'd also made the point. It's like, oh, like they might have uses for technology. Like, where's like a holy ground app that yeah. <laughs> like tells you really the nearest funny. church or synagogue? Right. I would like to see that in action. So that was a lot of fun. Eamon, you may have asked what Duncan's I, yes. Twitter handle would. Yeah, have been. let's take a listen to Eamon ask the star question of the panel. <laughs> <laughs> the lightsaber. What would uh, Duncan McLeod's Twitter handle be? <laughs> <laughs> And his first tweet is Amanda, why don't you set this up? And his profile picture would be Juan Roman. At just a guy. I think this is the at shit happened. Checkmark. Verified. So yeah, that was very funny, Eamon. A lot of good Twitter handles. Hey, question of the week. Write us and tell us what you think Duncan McLeod's Twitter handle should be. But you can't write one that was said in the episode, please. (laughs) If anyone did that, that would be the worst thing. Yeah. At do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> At what um, you don't do. But David Roberts talked about do. how he thinks the biggest trouble for immortals in the future would be like these incidental meetings. Uh, right. That, you know, like you get your photo taken and you're maybe in the background and mm-hmm. you don't know. And now it's online. And, you know, with facial recognition stuff, suddenly there's a collection of photos of you out there somehow instagram snapchat but yeah then they talked about you know the differences of tv which we hinted at before that was brought up a couple times about writers Mm -hmm. getting locked into contracts not being able to make as much money network tv is i guess different gillian was talking about like because you can get canceled at any time it's you know right she said like kind of the new model like the netflix model feels a little better because like at least you get to make the thing right like it's a whole season that gets ordered at once everybody works on it from start to finish like so people do feel a little bit more ownership over that sort of stuff you get to wear the crew jacket as it were crew jack city oh and then one of the best questions asked which we've been wondering about and actually was on our list of questions to ask was how many immortals are there oh yeah and david romitz is like i don't know two to three hundred that seems about right and And gillian's like that doesn't make any sense like duncan kills like 20 (laughs) a year (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a great point yeah i'm thinking there's like ten thousand. Yeah, so David's reasoning for that, he's like, that's just enough for there to be a proxy for, like, good versus evil. Like, Mm. enough bad ones, enough good ones, and they represent kind of the two sides of humanity. And then Gillian also brought up the idea, like, hey, like, wouldn't it be ironic if every time they killed somebody... There just was a, a new, new one born. Popped so it just yeah. like never, it never ever could end. It's completely yeah. futile. I love that idea, actually. Yeah. I was wondering if like quickenings interfere with cell phone reception. That would be my fix if I was the writer on it. Like, I bet that will be the right. Your phone just like goes off yeah. if there's a quickening. Mm-hmm. And, like, or maybe even like, right before the quickening. erases all the data or something. Yeah. 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 That would be kind of cool. There was a funny story they talked about uh, in the finale episode, which we're about to get to, where Mythos has this, like, Watcher CD-ROM or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it was funny. They were talking about, like, there was a big fight in the writer's room about, like, this thing's going to be on a CD. And they were like, no, it should be zip drives because a CD writer at that time was, like, $3,000. And so they argued that, like, oh, no, Mythos is, like, he's the tech-savvy guy. Like He would know. He, yeah. he buys the new shit and he's like up on it and that's how they convinced them to let it be a cd but that was like a legitimate <laughs> argument like cd or zip drives good luck finding either yeah. <laughs> you know that button you push to sit have save how many people don't know what that is yeah that's amazing 
Oh, there was also, I thought, it just a very interesting story Donna Leto told. She now works with, like, disability accessibility. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, blind and deaf people. Um, so they were talking about, like, the medium of TV has changed a lot, like, from moving from, like, kind of radio days where it's, like, radio plays just being filmed. Mm-hmm. Gillian was saying that, you know, when she was writing, like, we're working on, like, Miami Vice, it was, like, a lot of, like, well, the story was, like, you had to be able to not look at the screen and get the story. And then in Miami Vice, they started using more music in the show, and it's like, you know, chase scenes were punctuated by music to move the plot along. And now it's like in almost entirely visual visual storytelling. Like, there's much less script, mm-hmm. which is like more impactful and it's more cinematic. But she was saying it's kind of funny, like, someone who's wanted to write like that, and it's like, obviously that's what writers like. It's like, you want to do things with looks rather than like, I'm going to tell you my feelings. But working with right. the disabled now, uh, it's like, oh, for people that are, you know, blind... That's actually not good storytelling for them. It's much harder to kind of understand what's going on. So I thought that was very interesting how things kind of turned around on that uh, in her life. How about that? Catch me outside. How about that? (laughs) The next panel was Something Wicked This Way Comes. And this was uh, James Horan, F. Braun McAsh, and Anthony DeLongis talking about their villainous roles. And James Horan did not say too much except for the word delicious. A lot. He said that six or seven times. He's a very good voice. He's very delicious. Mm -hmm. A lot of talk was brought up about computer technology. I guess maybe because Anthony DeLongis does, like, and James Horn do a lot of video game voices. They're talking about, like, the orcs in Lord of the Rings, how it's just, like, computerized orcs millions of times in these battle scenes. Yeah, James Ram was saying he got to do his, like, first motion capture suit thing recently. Maybe that's how it started. Yeah. As, like, a new kind of acting that Mm -hmm. you have to be ready to do now. Yeah, I, I thought that was They talked a lot about the theater and how mm-hmm. that's important to be like in the moment, you know, living apart, that sort of thing, which I think comes across in all their performances. I think they have very big performances. Mm-hmm. Like the theater requires a bigger performance than the subtlety of like TV where there's like mm-hmm. a lot of close-ups usually. And that yeah. works very well for villains because villains, you like to have big uh, over the top. Act! Act, right. Acting. It's just jumping and yelling. <laughs> that's so good. So, our panel in the online of Fire was next. So, who all did we team up with for this bad boy? Gillian Horvath and Donna Leto joined us. John Mosby moderated, as he did all of these panels, if we didn't say that before. I think we probably did. And then Grant Kempster from from Highlander Highlander Heart. Uh, He joined us. And Kevin and Norm from the Blood of Kings podcast. Highlander Pancreas. Mm -hmm. They also joined us. Highlander Pancreas. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) From Blood of Kings. And this was fun. Unfortunately, they didn't have enough microphones for everybody. Right. But, you know, I don't know how much we want to spill the beans on this bad boy, because you'll be able to hear the entire thing when we release the uh, the audio as a podcast. Yeah, this is coming That's out right. just in a couple of weeks. It's in our next batch of episodes. It'll also be a video podcast. But it was a blast to do. It was fun mm-hmm. to talk to everybody. I wish we had more time. I could have talked for a long time about yeah. it. John Mosby, multiple times now, because I read his synopsis on Facebook. That's right. Which you should read if you haven't read it, listener. Mm-hmm. Um, for the second time, mentioned the social media panel that we were a part of was amongst his favorite it's right. not his favorite suck it adrian paul <laughs> oh boy sorry is that too oh, much boy. <laughs> no, no <laughs> fair enough but yeah no this was a ton of fun also gillian horvath and donaletto are great they're they just great. great they're great people awesome yeah oh, and then we some this, highlights after the panel we yeah. got to hang out with donna and gillian mm-hmm. and this is going to be upcoming as well too. gillian had brought us a phone card game which 
I had never even seen before. Yeah, and, and it's awesome. Yeah, so we did a whole special video with the two of them mm-hmm. trying to play this interactive phone card nonsense. It was a blast. Uh, so stay awesome. tuned for that. But yeah, we won't talk too much about that either. So Adrian Paul then did a panel called uh, War and Peace where he talked about all the good works he's doing with the Peace Fund and how you can get involved and the projects they've done in the past and what's coming up in the future. So that was pretty cool. And if you want to know more about the Peace Fund, just head on over to thepeacefund.com and they're always doing cool stuff. Or follow Adrian Paul on Facebook. The Book of Faces. That's right. The, the Book, Book of Faces. Faces. Oh. Uh, then um, the they did gang the gangs back, back together. together again. This panel opened with David Abramovitz. I'm noticing a bit of a trend here. Just profusely complimented the cast of the show, which of course they deserve it. But like he just opened it saying basically that this was the best cast he ever worked with the writing was pretty good pretty good it's very self-deprecating no he said it was pretty good some of the time (laughs) but the cast really brought the series and the story and the writing to life and he said basically he would tear up watching dailies because of what a great job this cast did bringing the characters to life wow Um, so i just thought that was very interesting and funny but they showed a lot of clips and this was the full panel, right? Yeah. This was all of the main guests up there on the stage. Everybody except Stan, I think. Right. Right. Because Stan there. at this point had to depart, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it was just fun. Like they were all having a fun time. Jim Burns said he used to be somebody. <laughs> Talking about this in a comical way. <laughs> he was like, I used to be somebody after watching the, the Hunters clip came out. That was fun. It's worth noting this was a. I don't know if you go quite so far as to say a turning point in the thing, but things started to get emotional yeah. at this point because we're in the... This is the wind down or maybe you said wind up to like this all ending. Things it got emotional. Got intense. Uh, then uh, there was a radio play. Yeah, this was tons of fun. It was like kind of just a silly little thing, but it was it was great. Elizabeth Grayson brought a couple people that she had worked with to do this suspense based radio play that's all science fiction stuff and then what made it so kind of fun was like she described a bunch of characters to us and then the audience got to vote on which of the highlander stars would play that character so jim burns ends up being a stripper wow uh and putting on a like silly lady voice the entire time (laughs) hey sugar He's doing the whole go round. And then big shout out for our illustrious Keystone State, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Peter Wingfield was pretending to be a inventor from Philadelphia Ooh. on his way on who was late for his Zeppelin ride to Peru or something. <laughs> but in reality, he was a escaped mental patient from Norristown. Oh, great. <laughs> shout out to Nar- Nor- Narristown. 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 Yeah, and then there were aliens involved. David Abramowitz played some like a tailor who was very indignant the whole time. It was he was really leaning into this whole thing. I don't know. It was just a ton of fun. Like the whole thing was like silly, but it was great. I don't know. It was a blast. Awesome, nice. You didn't miss any Highlander tidbits, but it was just a lot of fun. No, that's another like fun thing that they did. A non Highlander related thing that just like was fun for everybody. Like yeah, I think that's kind of what you want to see from. I almost celebrities, so to speak. Wish they did more of those kind of things. Because I mean, to be frank, a lot of these Highlander stories we've all heard. Yeah, like, yeah, we're like cutting out some of the redundancies here for right. your benefit. There's a lot yeah. of stuff like on the DVD, it's right. like which is fine. But yeah, it's a 25 year old show. You know, yeah. the stuff like this is really like that's where your value is Agreed. kind of because everything you're about to see is new. Right. You're right. not like, oh, I love it when Ken Gord tells this story. It's 
brand new. And you just kind of get to see the personalities of your favorite, you know, writers and actors come out. And it's like, they are really all like cool, talented people. Mm -hmm. And like, they're having a good time. Yeah, that's something that like struck me the whole time. Like, even though a lot of them, some of them have stayed more in touch than others, but some people haven't seen each other in 20 years. But when they all get in the same room, it's like, you know. Pick right back up. Yeah. I mean, these are people that work together for years together. Mm-hmm. Under tough conditions, through thick and thin. So yeah, yeah it was cool. Um, so friends for eternity. There you mm-hmm. go. Loyalty, honesty. <laughs> friends forever, through thick or thin. Do, 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 our favorite do, do. band, Dragon Sound. Sound. Um, so <laughs> uh, next panel was our good friend Clay Barris, joined by Richard Martin and Don Payanessa. The directors panel. All I'm saying is fireworks. Yeah. This was a blast. This was a treat. I loved it as much as John Mosby appeared to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't look like he hated it, but things got a little uncomfortable, uncomfortable. at points. And at one point, he was like, please, <laughs> another question. <laughs> like we said, Clay likes the F word. Yeah. And it was awesome. Everything about this was great. I learned a lot about directing and actually making TV. I don't know. This was educational, and none of this shit gets told before. Right. Because the directors and, you know, Don Payanessa was primarily an editor, but also did some second unit directing and directed an episode of The Raven. Like, their stories don't get to be told. So... Right. Yeah. No, this was cool. And it was all really juicy, interesting, funny, delicious (laughs) stuff. This was, like, one of the highlights. Yeah, definitely. And again, we Not just because we know Clay. No. You know, though it's, that doesn't it's hurt. better when it's you know partially, Clay. Yeah. yeah, but now everyone out there knows Clay because you're all part of the Clay Boris fan club, like we are. That's right. Yeah, it's a blast. They had great stories. Clay calling out Ken in the mm-hmm. middle of it over and over again. Yeah, was hysterical. Yeah, just in the middle of it, he see, he notices Ken Gordon in the back. He's like, Ken, earlier you said this, you fucked up, <laughs> <laughs> and it goes from there. But we're gonna release this whole panel, and we got some footage from it. Yeah, so it'll be cool. Just. Stay tuned to this space. You're not going to want to miss this. And Richard Martin was not someone I was familiar with. We hadn't had the pleasure of speaking to him. We haven't gotten to his episodes yet. Yeah, yeah he's, exactly. He's a late season director. As but, Clay is an early season director. But he was fascinating as well and had a oh, lot of cool great. stories. Yeah. And Don Payanessa just seems like the nicest guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, we we hung with Don and his wife at the meet and greet. They yeah. were super great. They were really and nice. I got to talk to his wife some more and Don yeah. a little more. And uh, stay tuned for more from him. He'll be on our show. Um, along with Richard Martin. So it's all coming down the pipe. Yo, yo, pipeline. So Kyle, tell us about the next presentation. We'll call it. It's not a panel. So the next one, as we mentioned before, our Quizzo partners on the team, There Can Be Only Puns, were fan film directors Andrew Modine and Jeremy Orr. Jeremy Orr previously debuted his show uh, Highlander the Watcher. We actually did an entire episode talking about mm-hmm. that along with Andrew Modine's fan, fan film. film which was Highlander Dark Places. Right. So if you haven't heard those or seen them, go check them out. They're a lot of fun. They made these new films, which were shorter. They were about a half hour in length. And I got to say, I liked these more th- even more than the other ones. And oh, we well. liked those. And I thought these yeah. were great. So in Andrew Modine's... Hans Kirshner. It was, yeah, Highlander Hans Kirshner, who was a character played by F. Braun McAsh who appeared in Highlander Dark Places. This is kind of a continuation of his story as he's training a young immortal and, you know, dealing with a, a villainous immortal noble. So it was fun. The sword work was great. Seeing F. Braun McAsh fighting was super cool. And you can tell, like, they, they did some clever camera play because, <laughs> obviously, it's hard to get Braun for long periods of time and get him in ways that'll line up with the schedule for all your other actors, but they did a really good job of when they couldn't all be in the same place, even in like some more dramatic moments, kind of stitching it together well. It kept on making me think about 
some of the things that were told during that director's panel of like ways you can cheat with that when you need to. Uh, and I thought Andrew did a pretty good job of that. It awesome. was a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, and then the other one was much lighter in tone. <laughs> it was called, this was Jeremy Orr's project. It was called Bad Watcher. And it was kind of just like a comedic look at just a real shitty watcher. <laughs> like, not an evil watcher, just, just an, a watcher that's... Poor, a poor watcher. Yeah, watcher's yeah. very bad at watching. And it's about him, like, learning the ropes of being a watcher and just fucking up, like, left and right. And it was a ton of fun. Like, I don't know. People seemed into it. They were laughing. It was pretty charming. I think Jeremy told us in the lobby that he also did it in, like, two weeks Yeah, or we were talking to him. He's like, yeah, like I, was, I kind of forgot about it. And then, like, suddenly the convention was here, and it's like, oh, shit, I got to do this movie. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Awesome. It was, like, it was just a ton of fun. I thought all the actors did a good job. It involved some of the actors from his previous project the highlander watcher story but it was great you don't have to have seen that to appreciate this one but i definitely recommend uh seeing them both so then finally it's the last panel of the day last panel of the whole weekend to be not to be this kind of like the, the kind of the rest of the night just kind of melded together a little bit like this kind of just morphed into the farewell. There wasn't really a break. And it just right. became like an emotional slog. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe slog is not the right word for it. But it became an very emotional. emotional. journey. Sure. Yes. So, a hard journey. So let's start at the top. Primarily. So it's most most of the people, like the whole cast is up on the stage. Yeah, David Bromwitz, Richard Martin, eventually joined by Ken Gord. Mm-hmm. So like you got to have Ken up there. So he gets brought yeah. up there. But they talked about filming... The last episode. Mm-hmm. They talked about Alexandra Vandernoot a little bit because she didn't really come up. Yeah, that's most right. Of the convention. So Adrian Paul gave her like a shout out. We watched a clip from the the last episode featuring her. Right. There was a number of times we wanted to yell spoiler alert, but that would not have gone over. Well. This this audience was in no mood. No, yeah. no mood. <laughs> I'm not for sure if they would have been in the shitty jokes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they talked a lot about like who was going to play essentially like the angel in. To be, not to be, mm. which ended up become, which was Roger Daltrey. But at some point, it was going to be Ra- Rebecca, Rebecca, or it was going to be Duncan's other mentor, Sean Burns, who we meet in season four. But finally, the role went to Roger Daltrey, and Roger Daltrey knocks that out of the park and is super charming in this role. But then they talked about one of the craziest stories told was like how the end of the show was oh, going to be, and I guess Bill this Panzer thing. Whoa, right. yeah, this was nuts. And this was, I guess, this was before. Well, Donaletta was the one who proposed the like "It's a Wonderful Life" ending, which is after they nixed Bill Panzer's idea. So Bill Panzer apparently at these conventions in the past, like he would always toast the crowd at the end, which is what they did at this convention. Spoiler alert! Um, but uh, he was like, "Hey, this is a great tradition we have. We should do that for the fans because that's how we normally treat the fans." And so his proposal was that Mythos, Amanda, and Duncan would have drinks. They would break the fourth wall, turn to the audience, and say, cheers for five years. Even though it's six. Even though it's six. six. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Little credits. Yeah. And it's like, what? And David Aramowitz apparently had okayed this. Everybody was like, yeah, David, you said that was fine. And he's like, what? I did? Like, yeah. I don't remember this. And, and he's he just like, like, that's terrible. He's like, that's he was the freaking worst out. idea <laughs> yeah. ever. Like, and yeah. it is. And he was like, I think I was just like sick of this and done. Like, I just wanted it to be over, <laughs> which was pretty amazing. And Adrian Paul was really like, you know, that's not how you end this series. Well, it sounds like Adrian Paul was the one who was like, we're not doing that. Like, I yeah. refuse to do that. Like, you were ruining everything by mm-hmm. doing that. It's insane he's not that wrong. you were, no, it ruins the whole show. Yeah. As he said, like you build for years, you build up this whole world, like this fantasy mm-hmm. world, and then just are like, that's just a play. Bye. Bye. Psych. <laughs> 
Psych your mind. Psych. <laughs> Adrian Paul beats up the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Does a bat mac. Do the yeah. bat mac. But well, at some, like, you know, there were more questions and things on this one, but mostly. Like at some point, a lot of the, the audience members were just kind of like sharing stories and being like, I love you. Yeah. Well, Jim Burns, this is where Jim Burns got choked up because the question was asked, like, how did Highlander change your mm-hmm. life? Uh, and some of these stories we've heard before, like from Peter Wingfield, which we played on our Mythos episode about how, like, you right. know, he now lives in a whole different country and his son has a different accent than he does, yada, yada, yada. But Jim Burns was like, yeah, do you know, like, any blues musicians that, like, own their own house? Like, this changed my life to be on the show like this. And then was just talking about his relationship with Bill Panzer, mm-hmm. obviously being good friends. And then he started really getting, you know, choked up. And then other people start getting choked up. And it's, you know. Chain reaction. Chain yeah. reaction. Then they also showed a montage of all the people who were involved in either Highlander or Highlander Worldwide who had right. passed away since the last convention. And it was like, like, Yeah. And there was one person in particular and her parents spoke. And I had spoken to them on the first day of the convention. I gave them like our card. I was like, hey, have you ever listened to the podcast? And I was taken aback. And they're like, no. Like, we don't really know anything about Highlander. They're like, but our daughter, this was like her thing. And she got, I guess, a very bad form of cancer and passed away very quickly after she was diagnosed. Anyway, she was a regular attendee of these conventions and loved Highlander to death. And so her parents, like the whole convention on the program, it was like dedicated in her honor. Uh, And her parents came to the convention to like just be part of this thing their daughter loved kind of in memorial to her yeah so that was like very touching and they spoke for a little bit yeah at the end and that was yeah and they thanked everybody for loving their daughter and creating this thing that they loved and that was very touching yeah i mean for some of these people i think they've been going to these conventions since their inception so right it was pretty pretty emotional and i think for everybody in the room and we make dick jokes on our show yep yeah yep it made me feel like a real piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think Keith and Kyle like stood up to watch the screen, and it was when the montage of people who passed away started playing, and I started crying <laughs> like a baby. Yeah, I was like, I'm glad they got up. <laughs> oh, he left you alone to, to wallow in misery. They can not see me cry like a child. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. No, it was a. Uh... It was emotional. Roddy Roddy Piper was in there. That's right, he was. That's where he really lost it. Mm-hmm. Not the Rodster. It. Rod Dog Ryan. <laughs> Rod Dog. Rod Dog Ryan, that's good. So Dennis Rodman? <laughs> then, to wrap up the whole thing, well, Adrian Paul got up there. He was doing some live video, saying mm-hmm. hi to everybody. <laughs> Felt like it was kind of an odd, tone-deaf move for what had just been happening. People yeah. were weeping, and he's yeah. like, let's live stream this. <laughs> And it's like, oh boy! But Carmel like got up to there. Cheer the crowd up, maybe or something. I think I, it was like, hey, like yeah. this is a celebration. I I think it was nice what he did. Uh, I guess I like the video. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but they brought every all the guests came up on stage. They mm-hmm. all were poured drinks. Carmel toasted some the famous audience. grouse. Uh, yeah, yeah, grouse. She toasted everybody. Big thanks to well, we should say big thanks to everybody too that put it together. Carmel Absolutely. had a lot of volunteers. Big thanks to John. Yeah, yeah. it was a pretty great event. It was a yeah. amazing group of people have to see everybody it was a ton of fun and it was just packed wall to wall right and like it wasn't until it was over that we kind of like processed it and realized like this was kind of a blast like yeah especially we were just busy like crazy like yeah yeah which i think we we sat down to eat like once like half the time we were just standing eating like at the table and like wherever and like yeah like i imagine people even just people attending not like in quotes, working the event like we were, we're probably, you know, feeling fairly similarly that they were getting it wall to wall, but like added with all the kind of self-imposed responsibilities of this whole thing, it was quite the undertaking. Yeah, they toasted and then everything moved to the bar for kind of a final 
goodbye and everything. So that was that was the last night. Yeah. Um, and then we, well, we had like a little epilogue to our trip, which was fun. We can talk about that, I guess, briefly, right? Well, we zoomed right out we of the zoomed right out. Uh, convention, and we saw some comedy. We At went Upper to the Citizens Brigade. Right. Mm-hmm. Our Uber driver was great, and she yeah. was all about the weed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were like, what, did, what brought you out to L.A.? She's like, weed. the weed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, okay. Oh. Fair enough. I was like, what? So we talked about Philly a lot with her. Yeah. And drugs. <laughs> and drugs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we went to the Upper Citizens Brigade Theater, which is across the street from the Celebrity Center, mm-hmm. which is the Scientology hub. Yeah, yep. which is fun. I screwed up and bought all our tickets for the wrong day. <laughs> so then I had to eat that shit sandwich and buy a whole bunch of more tickets. But it worked out. We got to see all the shows. That yeah, night. we got to see yeah. a show uh, like a comedy showcase, like stand up showcase called The New Negroes. That was mm-hmm. hysterical. It featured Chris Red of now SNL fame. Yeah, yeah he was like the surprise the guest. That was, was amazing. And he was yeah. hilarious. He was really funny. There was a lot of like really funny stuff. Baron Vaughn and Open Mike Eagle were like kind of the runners of that show. And yeah. Like, uh, Open Mike. Mike Eagle's like a rapper. Yeah. And he performed two times, and that was awesome. That that was really good. Check him out. And Baron Vaughn is a comedian, and Mm -hmm. he's on the most recent season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 as Crow. That's right. He's very good. Um, And then the second show we saw was Shitty Jobs, and we were on the stage for that show. That was like the funniest thing I've ever that seen was in my so, life. That was so tight. Like the, I mean, not like tight, bro, but I mean, like the improv was like really tight. Mm -hmm. Like they were so on the same page all the time and like crushing it. And then we saw it was almost as good as uh, like our hundredth episode, yeah. Party, yeah. Almost as good. Almost as good as that. There were no cocktail wieners. Yeah, that nonsense. I sent all the actors in that show uh, audio of our holiday party. Oh, good. And And you were like, like, and now he's moving out to L.A. You're like, check this out. This, yeah, to see how it's really done. Uh, and then we saw an improv show called Search, search history. history, where the improv was based on they brought someone up on stage and mm-hmm. they went through their Google search, search history, history, which was all serial killers. It was like which serial killers, killers, hardcore porn, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Britney Spears, or Britney something. Spears, and like makeup, yeah. and like it was really out there. That was, was a lot of fun. It was wild. We were exhausted as well. This night did not end until after midnight. Oh yeah, I felt dead. Yeah, we left I think the this theater. is the first time we didn't go to the bar when we got home. We just went to bed. We just went to bed. And we got to like kind of sleep in, wet the bed. Very good. Uh, And then the next day, we you know recorded our recap. We did all that sort of stuff. Cleaned up. Keith and I got some In and Out Burger for breakfast. Uh Got an animal style. Yeah, Mm. and we shipped some stuff home because we got some very cool posters from Mm -hmm. Joe Joe Pearson. Yeah, we're signed. And uh, yeah, then we had a nice little day in town. We went to the Museum of Contemporary Art, which was awesome. Oh, and we saw a piece of kind of Highlander memorabilia. Oh, right, the Robert Rauschenberg, Rauschenberg. which we teased the shit Shit out out of. of. Yeah, it's, I, I it's the sculpture don't. in Highlander Two mm-hmm. that when Connor and Ramirez are fighting mm-hmm. in his like weird mansion, mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, watch the art!" And Ramirez is like, "Dutch art." It's like, watch. It's that. It's like it's called what's it called? Plan something? I forget. The plan? Plan A? Fuck. Plan A sounds like it. I think so. It's like a box with like a couple Coke bottles and, and like painted, and then like wings glued onto it. Anyway. It's dumb. It's not the best. It's, Although it's when we like, tore into this thing, I did not know it was like. I didn't either. Uh, I thought rep- it was just a prop. I thought it was just some nonsense they threw together. I went like, to this art is some school. art. I should know what that. This thing piece is. probably we got to look up how much this thing last sold for because it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, but fuck it. <laughs> it's not the best. It's piece not of art. good. But we yeah. saw some really cool art there. Yeah. Uh, also, some stuff I did not expect to see. Some like very famous paintings by mm-hmm. Pollock and Miro. All sorts of good stuff. Franz yeah. Klein. Yeah, from good Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It was great. Oh, and then there was a, a cool 
ping pong table that was part of a special exhibit yeah it was four player ping pong with a moat in the middle yeah and so we got to play that we have a video of that and maybe we'll be able to post but that was a lot of fun and uh there was some like chinese diplomat there as well which was that was bizarre was that actually a diplomat i don't know what he was but he he, had like guards he had goons he had goons for sure and like a photographer and like yeah he had a whole posse this guy was... And they kept getting in our way. Yeah, they did. They're very important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we went to that museum, and then we went to another museum, like another, like, mocha... Wing of it. Wing uh, in another part of town in, like, little Japan. And uh, that was a great exhibit, too. And it was, like, all this, like, compressed... Like, it looked like pieces of earth that if you, like, cut it out. But it was all, like, fabricated. of like, mm-hmm. shoes and base, like, basketballs and... Fish, meat. Yeah. And things were decaying. It was oh, yeah. Cool. There was like still lives, but they were in freezers. So it was, it was like fish and eggs and all this stuff. It was pretty yeah. beautiful. And it was also like pitch black. You had to like walk around kind of with like a flashlight. That was very cool. And then we uh, checked out some local breweries. We went to what was Arts it called? District. Arts District. Which brewery. was awesome. It had all awesome. this great fried chicken and it was delicious. You could play ski ball. We got a ton of beer there. Mm-hmm. All the beer was awesome. And then we got free ski ball tickets with our beers and played ski ball. That who was won, a blast. Who won most of the ski ball? I think mm. Kyle did. Oh, Kyle. really? Uh-huh. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, and then we headed you back. You win carnival games, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we went back to the airport, and it was a bummer because we could have stayed out for hours later. Oh, right. But probably not because we probably still needed to check our bags. Yeah. I don't know. Our flight was delayed, and it was a by it was hours. Hours. I had to go straight yeah. from the airport to work. I felt like such a schlub, but luckily, yeah. like I had some pants in my office that I could put on, and like so that was another day we were where we were up for almost twenty four hours, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, more or less, pretty much. Like, cause sleeping on the plane is like, meh. I, yeah. all I know is I handed in a brief that day, and Alan. G- Someone's now getting the death penalty, right? No, and Alan <laughs> was just like, "You might want to proofread this." Oh, again. And no. I was like, "Fuck me, <laughs> oh, boy, oh boy." That wasn't my fault. I was tired. Yeah. So, did you guys like LA? Yeah, I'd go back. It was awesome. My sense right now is I can see why people wouldn't be nuts about living there, but I'd love yeah. to go back and like explore more. Sure. I yeah, I was like way into it. Oh, how about our Uber driver on the way back to the? Oh, hotel? oh he told that, us a crazy. This guy story. has been in L.A. for like two seconds. Two seconds. He's already going to be an actor. He's got a role in an indie movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he, got, he like, showed us video. He's like, oh, I, I've done some acting roles before, and he put on like a toilet paper commercial or an insurance commercial, yeah. and he was like four years old, and he's mm-hmm. like, see, I've done stuff. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And he went out there because he used to be like a window salesman and he got into a fist fight yeah, with a got... guy who was like on speed who yeah. right there was drugs dislocated all over the place jaw somehow or some shit it was nuts it was out of control this mm-hmm. story it was awesome but then he like comes to la and like he's oh we uber, met a producer he's uber driving a producer who's trying to get him to quit smoking weed for some reason and then invited to him to a party, party. where he met the guy from fucking twilight right the werewolf man the werewolf man what's his name uh sex- taylor lautner taylor lautner this was a bonkers story yeah, i was we were all just like the ride I, yeah i literally have no idea what percentage of anything this man said was true but i was invested yep so living the la dream baby yeah our flight was delayed three hours so we drank uh, and then we almost missed our we flight almost missed the flight and thankfully Eamon was like i'm gonna check the board and see what's going on and out of nowhere, the flight got moved up. Well, I think the problem was our phones had all died, so we didn't yeah. see the email alerts. Right. Yeah. That's what happened. And so luckily, Eamon checked the board. And then just like flying into minutes. L.A., we had like no time. Yeah. And like we left some – I remember chugging beer at the table. I was like, I'm not leaving I ch- this. I chugged <laughs> as much as I could this. and still had like a third of a beer left. And, <laughs> and, we, like, and we ate buffalo wings. On the plane. On the plane. Like real pieces of shit. We were garbage. And there were these – 
fucking assholes behind us who wouldn't shut the fuck up. Well, that guy was an alcoholic. Yeah. Also, when I woke up from a nap, I realized there were a bunch of small liquor bottles under my seat. They had, like, rolled forward. Oh, my God. That's that's the thing with the pouches. They don't roll. Gotta get those liquor bottles. If you're a stone-cold drunk, you can conceal it better. (laughs) And so that was was our trip to L.A. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. It was a blast. Can't wait to go back. I think we have lots of, like, stuff in the works now that Mm -hmm. we can't even talk about. But it's exciting. So we'll see what comes in the future. Yeah. New things. Meeting the fans. Yes. People like Colton and Wendy and... You know, meeting the boys. Jill S again. Jill S. Jill. Yeah. Nothing but ice. oh, and Jill gave us a D- Jill. Jill gave mm-hmm. Eamon a DVD. Yeah, which, which was unbelievably I was nice. Very surprised uh-huh. to receive that. She's very nice. Um, you know, David bringing us drinks. Other oh, and Bri- oh, we had a stop. In, another pop in. Uh, yes. Brian mm-hmm. S. Right, Brian S. Mm-hmm. He, oh, he sent us cards. He brought us all these cards. Like he had like scanned all these Highlander CCG cards for us. And we haven't posted them yet because, like, we haven't gotten to that episode. Mm-hmm. And then when he, he found out we were going to L.A., he's like, oh, how about I just give them all to you? It's like, Brian, you're so nice. So he showed up with, like, all his kids, which was, like, a million kids, and uh, gave us these cards. Um, so they're really great, and they're all in, you know, they're on like, a, a binder and stuff. They're really nice. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we can't wait to do our CCG episode. Yeah, it was a blast. It was great meeting people, hanging with people, going to the bar. Can't say enough positive things about yeah. it. It was a ton of fun. And shout out to Davis Panzer. hey uh, Who you guys have been really awesome to us over these two years. And it was yeah. great to interact with you. Absolutely. And I just uh, thank you, John, and thank you, Carmel, for including us mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. Event. Us schmucks. Us letting yeah. us play. Garbage. We are garbage. And thank you to everyone who contributed to our GoFundMe. Once that was again. unbelievably generous. Mm-hmm. We couldn't ask for more. But we probably will. We'll probably do it again. Yep. Cheers for five years. That's right. <laughs> we can say that at our at our fifth year anniversary. There we we can't break the fourth wall on our podcast. Yeah, no. that's right. This is terrible. We There's no walls that. in this podcast. This is a wall-free zone on this podcast. Wall Real talk. Free Walmart. So right. on a scale of one to five <laughs> backpack beers, Keith, how many how many backpack beers would you give this? I'm gonna convention? give this a full six pack. Holy what? shit. I broke the scale. Scale broken. Six pack. We don't have to keep up this bit. I just thought it would be funny. No, <laughs> it is. I'm going to give it a seven pack. Oh, you're going to one up me? Yeah, he's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, what am I rating it? I guess on? you're going to probably say eight, right? Because it was so cool. No, how I'm many? I'm, res- I'm respecting the scale. Okay, how I'm many respecting the scale. Liquor packets. Would yeah. you give this? How many I'm, blue zebra vodka packets? Would this you give gets this? a full five because you can't go more than five <laughs> blue zebra vodka packets. There we go. We've talked about this for about sixty hours. People are going to. Love it. It's like you were at the convention. Hopefully. You were there. Yeah. But we have more stuff to release, so stay tuned. And uh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Because actually, Thank like, you. this was a, this was Thank a big... Thank you, Keith, uh, for making this happen. I'm glad. we None of us fought this trip. How about that? We were very Congratulations good. to us for not fucking with each other for not fucking yeah yeah uh we kept <laughs> none of us fucked on this trip. yeah well, yeah we had a whole hotel to ourselves and neither of us fucked each other neither of us <laughs> we're tired again yeah we it's are been another long day it's been a while it has been a while but yeah no this was a fun it's been a fun journey i'm it's actually kind of it's surreal actually i'll i'll end on a sentimental note maybe this isn't the end who knows but like it is legit weird for me this is a show I watched. Like, well, we've talked about this in the show. Like, I watched this when I was like eleven years old. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like John Mosby has talked about this. It's like, oh, it's weird. Like Highlander has been part of his life, seemingly like woven in there all the way, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, cool. Like, but somehow that's like now applying to me in a weird way. It's like, oh, yeah. like the show I liked when I was a kid, 
I always liked it. And then I would watch it in high school when it, like the DVDs came out. And then mm-hmm. like I would show other people the show that hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, like we're doing a podcast for two years about the show with my best friends. And out of that, like I get to talk on the phone with like Elizabeth Grayson, Adrian Paul, like David Abramowitz, like some stopping chats today with and, Clay like, Boris and Stan Kirsch. And now that's I'm right. like working on a thing with Stan Kirsch. Like that's nuts. Like it is. it's pretty amazing. So never would have dreamed it. Here, here. Here's to Highlander. Here's to Highlander. Here's to Zeist. Here's to Zeist. To Here's magic. To Zeist. <laughs> to, Zeist. <laughs> to Zeist. Now that's an appropriate send off. That's right. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye. Cheers. That's a... Is that a... uh, Never mind. I was just, saying, <laughs> I was just trying to do like a Cider House rules joke. Vandernoot rules. Vandernoot rules. Good read... night, you girlfriends of Duncan McLeod, you artists of bacon. There we go.